0: Well, we're looking at eyes and what we see through them. And uh, listen to this and tell me maybe whose eyes this person is seeing Christmas through. It's magical. You can almost smell the wonder in the air. No school. Get to play every day. And there's a Christmas tree with all kinds of presents under it. In fact, there's five or six for me. There's cookies, endless cookies. And, and even the cousins are coming and they get to stay overnight and we get to play together. There's a Christmas dinner and there's all kinds of good food and there's lots of sweets. Oh yeah, but we got to go to church before we open our presents. Uh, what do you think we're looking at Christmas here? Yeah, that was me, <laughs> about seven or eight years of age. I remember one time hoping to get this present. It was uh, this little bear that had this incredibly new device that if you pulled a string, it talked. <laughs> that is not even in the memory of anybody, probably here. Christmas, though, let's look at it from another viewpoint, is a wonderful and yet exhausting season. There's endless list of presents to buy, and hopefully you get the right one for the right person, and decorations to unpack and place throughout the house. A Christmas tree that you have to put up with, and you spread the ornaments all around. And then there's that great moment where you put the angel at the top. There's weekly holiday Parties that you have to either plan or attend. Preparations to make celebrations with family. And there's anxiety that goes with family coming. And then there's also a sense of loss as the season, like a spotlight, points to the sadness of maybe someone not being with us this Christmas. And there's joy that you feel and exhaustion you carry throughout the season. From whose eyes is that being seen? you want to guess? Yeah, it's, it's usually a father or a husband, right? No, I'm just kidding. Moms. Right, I, I just, you come to this season and you see it with those eyes. Well, I am excited to ask um, Taylor to come up with me, and we've been doing these conversation messages all through Christmas, and we're going to continue... Uh, tonight to do that as well And so we're going to take a moment and just talk about Christmas and, and what I wanted to do is look at it through the eyes of Jesus Through the eyes of our Father's heart And then through the eyes, if we can Of our own heart And what that might mean for us And so Taylor, I'm really glad you can do this with us And I got kind of a crazy question to start it off And that is just to ask you What do you think Jesus saw that first Christmas? You know Those first few days and those first months, and what what did he see?
1: Um, This is such a fun question because I often try to wrap my head around the reality that Jesus was fully human, but also fully God. Uh, So when I first began my faith journey in middle school, um, I had this picture of Jesus as boss baby. So you guys know
0: what it looks like, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: He's a tiny, adorable baby, uh, but he's also incredibly smart, articulate, and has the cognitive abilities of a fully grown man. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this was my image of baby Jesus, knowing that Jesus was fully God. So, of course, he would know everything as a little tiny baby. Um, But I eventually started to wonder if God maybe loved us so much that when he chose to become fully human, he became fully human. And perhaps as a baby, he didn't know. His fully humanness, maybe just put that aside so that he truly could be just like us. Uh, And I started to believe that as God saw his people, as he saw us, he felt so drawn to be with us uh, face to face. And he had so much care for us that he chose to be like us. Yeah. And him becoming like us is exactly the opposite of boss baby um, so to answer your question, I think Jesus saw the world just as we all did yeah well, as, as we were born
0: it 's amazing because in, in Hebrews at one point he says he was tempted in every way like us, but the one thing that was different is that he never gave into temptation never gave in into sin, which means he was tempted like us in every way in that sense, but we never any one of us ever go to the full degree of that temptation. We sometimes fall somewhere at some place. And so here is Jesus. And like you said, it's one of the things that I was kind of wrestling through, um, especially when I was going through my college years in, in seminary and my own faith journey, kind of just trying to understand who is this Jesus and and, and, and what does he mean to us? How does he see this world? And what amazes me when I think about this is here is this baby who is helpless, dependent, um, God in flesh, a mystery I can't resolve in my head, which is why it's called a mystery. It's above our ability to be able to understand, but God understands how he brings that together in such a way and had to bring it together in such a way that what amazes me is the helplessness, the vulnerability, um, the dependency that that God allowed himself to experience in becoming one like Us and with us, and I'm amazed by that because one of the things that amazes me is here is Jesus who is born of a woman, a a Mary, who yet is also born of God. And we know that idea of the virgin birth because the Old Testament in, in Isaiah prophesies about it. Matthew talks about it from Joseph's experience. Luke talks about it from Mary's experience, and then throughout the Gospels in his life, you have this picture of of, of people saying to Jesus things like the um, he's the, uh, the Mary is his mother and he's the the son of Mary, not what would be typical of the son of Joseph. So you have this this coming together of these two different natures, and. Um, What amazes me is that Jesus came, and um, I like what one author says, philosopher and theologian Dallas Floyd says in in a book called Divine Conspiracy, Jesus brings us the assurance that the universe is a perfectly safe place for us to be. What do you think of that statement?
1: It doesn't feel safe.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It, It feels almost a bit
1: ridiculous. It does. It really does. It contrasts with how we live today.
0: Yeah, and he makes a statement, but I think there's something powerful because when you think of COVID and cancer and tornadoes and hurricanes and um, you, you 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 think about um, terrorists and hate crimes and all, just to name a few of the things that, that are happening around us, you kind of go, that seems like a ridiculous statement. Um, yet if you think about it, one of the most repeated statements in Scripture are the words, do not be afraid. Every time... He shows up in the Christmas story. What are, what are the words? Yeah. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And, and so uh, in another place, and this kind of took me this, this idea that, that the world is a perfectly safe place to be. Um, and if you place yourself into God's care is what he says, no harm will come to you. And I thought, well, that's ridiculous again because there's suffering and pain and all this stuff in the world, but it's really interesting. Um, this, Dallas World is very particular in his words. He doesn't harm. He says, yes, there's pain, there's suffering, there's there's um, evil, there's sin, but harm means that this idea that God will not, when you place yourself in his care, will not hurt you. He will not harm you.
1: Your thoughts around that? Well, I just, I want to say one thing, like, it's it's very heavenly-minded. It's It's current, yes, but also future-minded. Like, yes, so in the moment, it doesn't feel... Safe, but regardless of what happens to us, we are saved and loved mm-hmm. by the resurrection of Christ. So it's, it's not to get us out of the present moment, but to think future minded. We, yeah. we, we will go home at yeah. some point. And, and when I think of that,
0: I think of here's here Jesus as he's growing up throughout his life. He has this relationship. He has this, what I would call, you know, it's a, one of the important things the last 20 years in. In understanding psychology, parenting is called attachment and being well attached and being um, well loved and know that security. What amazes me is that Jesus lived in the security of his father's love. And what, what Christmas tells us is that this baby who is helpless and dependent and vulnerable has throughout his life this, this ability and trust to experience his father's love so that when you see his life, you see that he um, doesn't react out of, a, out of a woundedness or an injury or a hurt or things like that. He has the ability, as Jesus lives in his Father's love, which he, 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 he wants all of us to know, his love, he has this ability to, um, to look into the eyes of other people and in looking into their eyes, see them for who they are. And love them right where they're at. You see that in a number of different examples in scripture. Any that come to your mind as we talk about that?
1: Yes. Uh, do we have any the chosen viewers out here? Uh, man, such an incredible representation of who Jesus was. And the one example that I would say that comes into this is as Jesus is picking his disciples uh, he doesn't pick the smartest, the most academically achieved. He doesn't yeah. pick the wisest, the, the ones that had experienced everything that would be needed for this next mission. Uh, he saw people in a totally different way than they had experienced. And Matthew is a great example, this tax collector who was fairly disliked by the people around him. And still experienced that with the disciples, but Jesus just responded to him so differently because he saw something in him, which again was maybe a little future-minded. He saw what Matthew would potentially become.
0: So he sees Matthew as this greedy Traitor in league with the Roman people and, and his name is Levi and it gets changed to Matthew because the word Matthew means the idea of a gift and so here is Levi and God, Jesus calls him by this new name he sees him with love right where he's at yep. and through his his love transforms him to this place where I don't think he ever imagined he could be mm-hmm. I think of the woman at the well here she is a failure and Jesus is standing um, there with her. He asks her about her life and and he says, go get your husband. And she says, I I don't have a husband. She goes, yeah, you've had five and you're now living with the sixth. And Jesus, just by his love and interaction, transforms her life. Zacchaeus, this little guy who is up in a tree. Jesus comes along and he sees him and sees him for who he is. Again, a person who is... Um, the little guy who was in love with power and used it over people's lives in some very negative ways, Jesus sees him, has lunch with him, and his life is transformed. Which is one of the things that I think is interesting to think about this, is that here is Christmas, here is this child who's born vulnerable, helpless, has the gaze of the father in his life, knows that as he puts his trust and, and, and recognizes the care of his father, even though there's, there's suffering, there's pain, which he'll have even in his own life, he knows that in his father's hands, as he, as he, he keeps his eye under his gaze, that he is safe and secure. And then it can respond that way and give that same kind of love to others. So with all that and thinking about that, I'd like for you just to take a moment and, and think about in your own life. Um, where have you had that kind of experience where someone saw you where you were and, and that brought change into your own experience?
1: How long do we have? <laughs> well, I got about 300 you guys had dinner, dinner after this. No. But, okay, all, yeah, I, there's one person in particular. So beyond my immediate family growing up, I think the first person that I had felt seen by was a man by the name of Blaine Waters. Um, so I need to take you back in time for a sec here. So picture me as this skinny, weird middle school kid at Hopkins North Junior High. Hard to picture. It's not hard to picture because there I am. Yeah! Wow! Look at that bleached blonde hair! Wow! Uh, so that is that was me in. Uh, is that like five school. years ago? That was yesterday. Um, <laughs> I just shaved for today. Uh, but my one of my older sisters was a part of a, an organization called Young Life, which some of you may be familiar with. Young Life. Uh, for those of you who are not, uh, it's a Christian organization that is similar to a church youth group, but not affiliated with the church. And Young Life really emphasizes and focuses on mentoring and relationship building. Um, so I started to attend Young Life with my older sister and all of her friends. So you can picture the awkwardness in the room. It's yeah. a bunch of high school girls and then middle school Taylor. Yeah. Uh, so Blaine noticed that. Uh, And he was the leader of Hopkins Young Life at the time. And so he paid really close attention to me and started to really invest in me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Within weeks, he would uh, call me and ask if I could come early and help set up and tear down afterwards. And he would engage me in these meaningful conversations. Uh, He'd be on my team for when we'd play games. uh, And he started just inviting me into his life, which was crazy. And at the time, I thought he was like... 30 years older, turns out we're nine years apart, uh, but he just took me in and we started this incredible friendship, uh, and it's a friendship that I still have. I actually have a picture with, it's the only one I could find, my apologies. I looked all morning, but that scary. was the one. I tell you, I don't know. That's what you look like when I try to hug you. Yeah. Um, but our time together during these weekly Young Life gatherings started to turn into spending time hanging out throughout the week and on weekends. And Blaine would take me out for lunch. He'd show up to my lacrosse games, and he would invite me over to his house for dinner. And uh, Before you knew it, we were talking about really deep, good things about life. And he's one of the first people I did that with. Um, and when I was with Blaine, I felt like I was the most important person in the room. Uh, and I looked up to him a lot, and I still do. Uh, but my relationship with Blaine was essentially my introduction to God because I didn't mm-hmm. grow up in the church. So young life was my kind of my first step into this thing we call faith and spirituality. Um, so here was this genuine, loving, caring man taking me in, and I just thought, man, I just want to be more like Blaine. And in the process, not knowing at the time, but I was I was choosing to become more like Jesus. Um, so how did he impact my life? Uh, you guys, it changed everything. It changed the whole course and t- direction of my life. Um, the fact that I'm here today with you all as your worship pastor is a bit ridiculous. Yeah. Something I never would have thought was in my future. Uh, but Blaine, Blaine gave me the gift of seeing me right where I was. This little middle school kid. And and now I look back and I realize, okay, he was seeing me through the eyes of his heart. So
0: what I think is interesting in that is um, he loved you probably in some very just mundane, practical ways. Yeah, very simple. Right? Yep. Inviting you to be with him and to set up early, which was probably to his benefit.
1: Yeah, it totally was. <laughs> yes. I was really strong if you didn't see yeah. it in the picture. But, I mean, what other
0: ways did you, I mean, specific, practically, he just, he loved you. He yep.
1: cared for you. Yep.
0: You he spent time, f- you, yeah, time. Yep. So you you saw through his eyes, in a sense, the eyes of Jesus.
1: Totally, hundred
0: percent. And it had a transforming effect on your life. Yep. One of the reasons I asked Taylor to do this with me is because when we were planning these services and we had different people who were sharing, um, we were talking about let's talk about through the eyes of of the heart and the Father's heart and and how not only can we experience the love, uh, we can begin to know this love and this attachment to the Father and, and this safe place to live when we place ourselves in his care, but also that we can begin to give that safe place and that same kind of love to others and to share that gift with others. And, and he did that, and one of the reasons I, was, I wanted you to be up here is because you do that. To so many people, um, and and you allow your life um, as you see people or spend time with people and give yourself to people. Um, I I see how people's lives have changed. Um, what motivates you so much to do that?
1: Oh man, uh, I think it's the reason we're here. I think I think part of why God made us. Was because he saw and knew his own goodness, and he wanted other beings, other people, to to know that, to know that love. And so I think there's no greater thing for us to do than to love people. Right. And and so much of loving people, it's not it's not always like the cheesy romantic love. That's an important part of it, but it's the it's the hey, I see you, I see you. I'm here with you. I'm going to walk this out with you. Uh, And sometimes it's, not sometimes, all the time, it's extremely hard to do that.
0: And that goes back to the Christmas story because God created and things headed south. And God did not just say, I'm done with this. He entered into our history, into this world, in order that we would each know that he sees us. And that's what I love about the, the, the story of Christ. Not only did he come to um, remove uh, our own sin and our own areas of um, waywardness, uh, but he came to, to actually show us how to love, mm-hmm. and which is what Christmas is all about. And that means showing others how to love as well. I'm going to ask, th- uh, just thank you, Taylor, for doing this, and I'm going to read something in a moment. I want to read to you, I was going to, I do have some things to conclude, but I was going to conclude it, and then Taylor wrote this to me, and he said, this would be kind of a neat way to end this, and I thought, okay, and I looked at it, and I go, yeah, it would be. He said, church, let's be radically committed to seeing people right where they are at, I mean truly seeing people not just looking at them and moving on with our day, but genuinely engage with them. And this might be for people who are, it might be with people who are really hard to engage with, people with polar opposite political views, right? That might be a really hard thing to do. People who look and act totally different than ourselves, broken people who don't know how to receive love yet, To see people through the eyes of the heart means to love them like God loves them, to partner with them in changing the course and direction of people's lives by helping them to find a life with God. And then walking alongside them. Every single person we interact with throughout the day is going through something, most likely hard. And our gift to them is choosing to walk alongside them for that period of time and lead them straight to the tender heart. Of God I was thinking as I read that one of the greatest gifts you can give to someone is that gift of seeing right where they're at loving them where they're at and allowing for God's love to 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 get a hold of them right where they're at and I just encourage us as we think about it if you don't know that love that comes from God, that sets you free, that 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 is this kind of love that is a a love that doesn't um, make you all of a sudden perfect and loving people perfectly, it's a lot like this birth of Christ. Christ came into the world to transform the world and is his kingdom grows over time. But there's this sense of you can't earn that love, you can't. Um, you, you can't do something to get rewarded with by good behavior for that love. You can't, you can't in some way work to make that happen. All you can do is receive it and say, I would like that kind of love, God, from you in my heart. I'd like to receive that. I'd like to embrace it. I'd like for that to begin to grow in my life. I think it's the greatest gift you can receive. And I think giving that is the greatest gift you can give this Christmas, even tonight and through the next day. Father, thank you. We uh, thank you for your presence in our midst and pray this in Christ's name. Amen.